news time right now, 8.09. You're tuned to WGNS. And with us in studio this morning, Murphy's Bro City Schools. We have with us Lisa Trell, who is with Communications, and then also uh, Interim Director Ralph Ringstaff with the City Schools. How are you all this morning? Very good. Thank you. Doing well. So what is happening right now? I know it's schools are closed right now. So what what's happening right now within the city schools? Well, actually, I think we're all taking a little time to do some retrospective of how we've had the school year to go. And uh, actually, it's been very successful for all of the challenges that we've had. And um, really, it's just been very odd for everyone, just like it has been for parents. But I think we've done a tremendous job of just keeping moving forward and uh, really want to give a lot of accolades to our principals and our teachers and all of our support staff for just keeping moving and not getting too caught up in the small stuff and focusing on the child. It's been a very odd year to say the least, I would say, for <laughs> parents, for students, for I think everybody. Anyone could walk in these doors from any you know, restaurant, local business and say the same thing. So just like everyone else, we are working through this pandemic and so glad to hear that there is a vaccine it's coming soon how are kids doing right now within the schools because i hear so much about how so many students are behind because they're you know doing work from home and and it's just something they're not used to i think you're going to see that across the nation i mean it's not just tennessee or murfreesboro that's a national um, issue that we have and i think that you know we we're watching them and watching the testing and a lot of people are saying why are you testing this year and really it's because we need a baseline to see where they are and where they need to be so um, I think we would be a lot more worried if we didn't realize that this is a national thing and we're just gonna have to do our part but certainly we know that children learn better in a classroom Um, absolutely they learn better whenever they can go to school five days a week but that's just not what we have that's available to us at this point. Our virtual teachers, and I'll let Mr. Ringstaff talk about it, when you walk into the virtual classrooms, they are absolutely rocking it. I have been amazed at how they have adapted to be able to keep 20 children um, focused via Zoom and some of the other um, Google Classroom products and everything that they're using. So, um, and you've, I know you've been watching them as well, so. Yes, I've been visiting classrooms throughout since August, since school started in August. And when we started in August, we, we started, most of our classrooms were in a hybrid situation. Half of the students were uh, learning virtual distance learners and the other half were in person. And it was a struggle to keep both groups engaged at the same time. Now, now um, before winter break, we had either a lot of our classrooms were either all virtual, as Lisa stated, 16 to 20 uh, distance learners are all 16 to 20 students in the classroom, which is much better. We have some teachers who have never taught, no one has ever taught distance learning, virtual learning before. So this is all new to our teachers. And we've had teachers really step up and uh, become really good at teaching students who aren't in the classroom but who are virtual learners and uh, and that's gone really well better than anybody had anticipated early on you know i i I think parents out there who may be listening this morning it's been really hard for them to kind of cope with and understand how their children are 
going to, going to be able to learn from home because yeah. it, it's just so different. It is different, and uh, we anticipate even future years of offering virtual classes because more and more parents, uh, more more of our parents are working from home now. Yeah. So. Um, and we still do have some hybrid classrooms across the district. There are several teachers that just absolutely loved it and chose to stay hybrid. But um, one of the things, if your child is learning virtually, we do request that that parent is there with them. It's not just, you can't just turn on the computer and, and be gone. So really it has required a lot of attention by the parents as well. So I'm pretty sure there's a lot of parents out there thinking they're passing second and fourth and sixth grade again as well because they are their learning coach like a teacher would be in the classroom the parent is there in the virtual situation just kind of reminding them to stay focused you know that's a that's a big thing stay focused uh stay on task uh helping with any computer glitches and that kind of stuff so it's been um I think that the teachers have really done a tremendous job and at the same time our children have done a wonderful job they're keeping their mask on in the classes they're staying distance as much as possible um they are um the teachers in the classrooms some of the classes that i've seen has just been absolutely amazing and they the you can't tell that the i mean i can obviously physically see that the children have their mask on but there's not a it's not a different type class it's they're still focused they're going strong they're still doing their STEM learning, um, just maybe a little bit farther apart, not big groupings together, trying to stay within our bubble. So I think it's done really well um, thus so far. When a child is online, doing class online, what does the day look like? I mean, when do they have to check in? Is it at regular start time when their bell would normally ring? Or what, what do they do? Good. <laughs> well, we, have, we give at least three and a half to four hours of live instruction yes and they do have to take attendance every day and we have some of our sessions recorded and we give uh, what you call asynchronous learning assignments to those students who will not have a live teacher in front of them at that point but uh, do the lexia reading assignments and things like that yes so they have morning meetings like they always do um, they are expected to be online um, at a bell time and the bell time to is based on their school's bell time uh, attendance is taken you're absent you're tardy all that kind of stuff if the child is not uh, focusing and um, they have to have their video up so that teachers know that they're engaged um, we do expect them to be a part of that class and to be part of the discussion uh, the chats that go on on as well as like uh, mr. Ringstaff said they have iReady programs in Lexia that they do the same as our classroom um, students and then they also have breakout sessions so if uh, they need to go to a, just a smaller classroom virtual classroom they'll do that as well it's it's pretty impressive what the teachers have they've set up a classroom that's a virtual classroom so a child can go to the library virtually pick out their book they can go uh, to a science lab they can do all kinds of things it's it's quite impressive it reminds me of uh, some of the children's um, games that they would play like the animal crossings and all that kind of stuff where they go to different parts to learn different areas it's it's so how, how do you virtually go to the library what um what did they what the, do they do the students know how to do it they go and they click on the library and then they go from what the reading assignments are today uh which will pull back out to uh their their book or their reading assignment it's 
it's hard to describe, but once you get in there, it's it's a really the children have. Of course, they adapt to it so much faster than we do sometimes. So, it, isn't it all so crazy? I mean, it, if you <laughs> if you think back to when you're in elementary school, did you ever envision something like this happening? Not not the pandemic, not even, but school being yeah, not <laughs> even one year from now. Yeah, I mean, one year. Yeah, ago. one year ago we didn't <laughs> we, envision we, this. Nothing. We all this is just amazing yeah what, what would we if this pandemic happened you know back in the 80s or 90s what would we have done because we didn't have the internet to do all this i guess we would have been out of school <laughs> yes. i mean I, I mean i'm uh, thinking there's not really an option that we would have uh, yeah. we were struggling more than we're struggling now <laughs> for sure <laughs> it's, it's a good wild. question it, let's just be glad we didn't yeah, yeah. It, it but you know this kind of pandemic could have happened i guess at any time in our sure. lives but it just so happened right now but it's wild to think back what would we have done? There, there's really no telling, you know? You're, you're right. There hmm. is no telling. But today, with all the kids doing virtual learning, and then, you know, you have in-class learning as well, but with the virtual learning, those who have ADHD, it's got to be 10 times as hard for those students to log on and understand what's going on in the classroom. And their parents. Yeah. And that's where the learning coach really comes in. Mm-hmm. The learning so coach. So that, that it's, most of the time is the parent at okay. home. Yes. So the parent is the one who is, you know, helping walk through, I guess, the different classes and everything. So mom or dad, whoever's at home, is the one who's making sure that their child is online on time and going through the different sessions. And that's part of the parent agreement we have. So if, um, because we do offer the in-person learning, if a parent chooses to stay home, and many of them, you know, for medical reasons have chosen that, they do have a parent agreement that they actually sign that says that they understand. I mean, we just don't want to throw it out there to them. We want them to understand that they, are, they do have some responsibilities as well, and that is that learning coach um, and the reason we call it that is instead of a parent, because sometimes they're staying with their grandparents, sometimes they're with aunts or uncles, you know. So whoever that adult is in that um, household is the one that would become the learning coach for that day. Who are you seeing make the decision to stay at home versus go into school? Because I, I know some students are coming into school, some students are learning from home, but what? What are you typically seeing as far as a student that is staying at home? Is it those, or would it be those who have medical problems that are pre-existing? What are, what are we seeing here? I guess a, a just a run of everything. Uh, mostly, as you stated, students with underlying medical conditions. Or uh, family members that have Or them. family members who have it. or Just uh, out of fear of what, you know, what we're dealing with is unknown. And so the fear of the unknown uh, is a reason for many children to be at home, to learn from home. Again, we're talking about the Murfreesboro City Schools. So do you think 2021-2022 school year is going to be back to normal? I I know January is not going to be back to normal. I think it's going to be back to our new normal. Yes, (laughs) I I really do. I hope the... That's we, our we that's sure our hope. hope. So. <laughs> <laughs> our hope is that we have a new normal and it is back in school. And um, I think from now until we our memories go away, you know, there's going to be a lot of people with lots more hand washing and hand sanitizer and that kind of thing. But um, we certainly hope to start the school year like a traditional school year. So within the schools, there's federal funding, state funding that is tied to performance grades gpa all of that stuff how is that going to turn out you know come next year and well for this year how is that going to 
turn out? Well, when the uh, legislative branch comes back in session, I think in January, 1st of January, one of the first things that they'll do will pass um, legislation to not hold students, teachers, school districts accountable for this year's scores. Now, I do believe that we will do testing of students because, as Lisa stated earlier, we are doing benchmarking right now, but we do need to know where our students are. We do need to know what we need to do going forward to help them get, uh, get better. I, I know, I mean, just talking to different parents and everything, I know a lot of students are going to be way behind. So there's going to be a lot of work that has to be done next school year in order to bring students up to where they should be. I mean, it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for the next, uh, you know, eight to ten years as we follow these students because it is, again, it's, but again, not just Murfreesboro, not just Tennessee. This is going to be across the board. So um, I think that you'll see these children catch up there. Very, um, our teachers are resourceful and our children are resilient. And I think if we give them the opportunity, they will catch up. And we don't, I mean, we know that they lost a lot of learning from March until June, March until May when we let out. But starting the school year, I mean, again, it's been a hard school year and I know it's been hard on parents as well, but the classroom experience, whether it's virtual or in class has been extraordinary. So they are learning it again. They do have some catch up to do, but I have, just absolute faith in our children and in our teachers that they will achieve that it may take them two or three years to get there i don't think it's an overnight success but i do think they will come back murfreesboro is fortunate because some schools across the nation have been closed since the start of the pandemic Mm -hmm. it's but murfreesboro has not so i mean the students here they've had in school learning and then they have the mixture of learning from home so it's it's a little different here compared to some cities across the nation it's wild as lisa stated earlier research shows that in-person learning provides the best opportunity for students to learn more and it is our objective and it's always our objective to get the students back in the classrooms as soon as possible as long as it's safe a safe environment and we do have our numbers are higher than even when we started school and we expect that those numbers are going to start coming down at least we were hoping for that but we are going to start out our january semester uh in a hybrid situation Uh, we also started out the school year in a hybrid and moved off of that pretty quickly so we're going to start out in a hybrid situation for three weeks those three weeks are for us to get past the christmas holidays and all of the travel and hopefully to keep some of the quarantines down Uh, because we do know that as much as we've stayed at home we've also been exposed to a lot of people that we typically wouldn't if wouldn't if it wasn't for all the Christmas holidays we saw a spike after Thanksgiving just from that little brief um, holiday and we know that we'll see a spike as far as quarantines because it's not necessarily our children in fact it's not our children that are getting sick it is uh, parents or grandparents or whoever the adults are that they've come into contact with and one adult uh, with a child coming to school can actually quarantine an entire classroom. So we're trying to keep down on the quarantines. And because of that, we're going to go back to school uh, with a hybrid situation of uh, two days. Sorry, I, I just A through L will go back on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. 
And then M through Z, if your last name ends with M through Z, will go back on Thursdays and Fridays. So A through L, Monday, Tuesday, and they will learn um, through learning packets on Thursday and Friday, opposite of that for that M through Z. So the M through Z will go back on Thursday and Friday, and we'll have learning packets on Monday, on Tuesday and Wednesday. We're actually out of school the first Monday of January, and we're out of school the third Monday of January. And so we're only looking at one Monday that we're going to do asynchronous learning for all, everyone. So it, we're really looking at four-day weeks for that first three weeks. And then that will get us past that quarantine period where the exposure has happened and everything. So we can go back to what, what our goal is, is to go back to exactly what we were doing in December. So that, we're hoping for that three-week to really the parents to give us a lot of leniency and a lot of patience as we try to get past not exposing and not quarantining constantly their children and that's the goal instead of having 16 to 20 students in the classroom we will have 8 to 10 students in the classroom which we hope will minimize if a student or teacher tests positive that we will not have to quarantine that whole classroom this is going to be an interesting year and the start of the year which is right around the corner mm -hmm. is going to be totally different really than what we've already experienced which has been totally different as well <laughs> so it, it's that in itself is a learning curve for kids mm -hmm. it is yes. and we understand that's inconvenience for parents uh, we understand that um, this is different and we we're trying it's, that's a, when I talk to parents I'm like we are trying our best to do the best guesses we can make to keep your children safe and to educate them and our goal is to do both to, for safety and education and at this point just taking the advice of a lot of nurses and our health department and others this is actually the best way to go back so that we can get back to normal our our this past year's normal uh, as soon as possible again with us this morning from the murfreesboro city schools interim school director ralph ringstaff and also communications director lisa trell with us on air uh, you know it's been a very odd school year to say <laughs> the least but this upcoming year kids return what january 5th january 4th when do they Fifth. come Fifth. back into okay so january 5th you're going to have basically half the number of students in the classroom and then the next day it'll be half the number as well 50 percent in, in group a will attend Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Group B will attend Thursdays and Fridays. And this will take place for three weeks total and then normal operations after that as, as close to normal as possible. <laughs> That's what we're hoping for. That's, That's the what goal. we're hoping. Depending <laughs> on the numbers, we hope to make a decision by Wednesday, January the 20th going forward. What would make the schools decide to keep the half schedule, you know, from then on out? Numbers. Uh, COVID-related uh, numbers, uh, depending on the number of faculty and uh, students who test positive. Really, that's on the only reason. I mean, we look for advice from our health department. We look for advice from our state, and we'll go from there. But this, we think this will keep us in school, get us back into school much quicker doing it this way. When a student does test positive for COVID, what is a parent supposed to do? Because I know there's been some confusion about that. 
moms, dads out there, they don't know what to do whenever their child does test positive. Do they call the school immediately? Absolutely. What? If your child is if, testing positive today, call the school today. If like your while child we're tests, out of test, yes. get some tests. <laughs> period. If, yeah. if they get tested, please call us. If if the parent tests positive, please notify us. Yes. Uh, so if, if they're you, a waiting test, we do not want them in school. We want them to get their test results. And I'm being very sincere. Uh, today, if your child is testing, we need to know it. Uh, just call and leave a message. Or actually, it's easier just to dojo your teacher. And dojo is an email format format for us. To, just to let them know, hey, my child is testing right now. for, And we'll wait the results. So we need to know that. Not when we come back to school but right now so we can start making plans so when a child does test positive for covid or a family member mm -hmm. tests positive for covid how many days are they supposed to be out the letter goes out from the nurse and tells them exactly when they can return to school and um she takes into there's there's a lot that goes into it and i'm not going to speak for her i'm going to go you're going to not going <laughs> to speak for it either but there is a letter that goes home with the student and even that classroom that says what's happening and when the student can return and when the classroom can return. So she she works that out and I'm not, it's it, based on knowledge, not based we, on we our best We leave that guesses. to the medical people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, the, you saw both of us go, uh -uh, we're not touching <laughs> that one. We have nurses for that. <laughs> so years down the road, I, I do wonder, what are kids who you know graduate from high school graduate you know after they get finished with elementary school go to high school what are they going to look like as far as their knowledge that they attained within the schools during covid because it is a total it's, it's just a different learning environment right now they're going to be okay they are like i said children are resilient that we're we'll figure this out once we get past this i don't think that we have that crystal ball i mean it would be it would be one thing if we knew that we would be finished with this in two months or whatever so i think that with the parents engaging and the teachers engagement plus the students you're going to see students succeed because they can succeed and that's what i hope that they look back and think okay my elementary school years were very successful even during trying times you know i, I in elementary school, it's that time that you're learning how to socially interact with others, and part of that social engagement has been taken away because of COVID. Mm -hmm. But that's a very crucial thing for a child to learn, how to socially engage with others. Yeah, but you know, the, they're still home with their parents. Their parents are still teaching them how to be engaging, and I, it may look different for you than it does for me, but um, you know, they're they're not they're not isolated they're yeah. engaging it just may be through um, a virtual learning or it may be through um, I mean there's just so many ways that they're still being engaged and their brains are still working and they're and they're still achieving lots of goals so um, and they may have their mask on but they're still if we have 16 20 students in a classroom they're still maybe three to four feet apart, but they're still engaging one another, still talking, engaging with the teacher. Uh, so the socialization skills are still there, uh, just wearing a mask. You know, on the flip side of all of this, I, I, I know of some parents who have taken their children to work each day, you know, for a week at a time during this crazy time that we're in. So some kids are actually learning more, I think, because they're outside the classroom and they're actually going like for example, and to work with their parents. Mm -hmm. I mean, so there are, there are situations that 
kids are learning a lot right now when normally they wouldn't be in this situation. Yeah, I think if you watch um, some of the online videos that our children are posting, I know Case and Lane just did a virtual STEM program. And to think about it, what we would typically do with our STEAM nights is parents come in and they walk the hallways and they see what each grade level is doing. And uh, they did theirs virtual this year, and as well as several other other the schools. Case and Lane just came to mind. Um, if you watch those videos, like I wanted, just I was just going to kind of snatch a peek of it to see how it was going, and I ended up watching every grade level because they were so amazing, and the children were so focused, and they were leading. They were just leading it virtually. I think as adults, we have a harder time with that virtual than the children do. Um, and same thing, Discovery just posted there. Um, I'm going to kind of transition real quick. Discovery School, uh, typically this time of year, we have parents coming in to look at Discovery so that they can uh, apply for next year. We weren't able to do that this year because we're not allowing visitors. However, they did a, uh, their open house online. And it was, it was quite impressive to watch not only the teachers interact and kind of talk about their classroom and their school, but also um, the children to say, hey, this is what we're doing, even though we're doing it in this new uh, COVID world. So with that said, I do want to go ahead and talk about Discovery School if we can. Yeah. Um, so their application process is open now and will be closing uh, the first week of January. So if you're wanting to apply for Discovery School, now is the time to do it. Uh, Discovery School is an academic magnet school, so your child does have to test to get into the school. And they will be doing that in January and February. And then they'll be um, actually sending out acceptance letters in March. So uh, kindergarten is the main thing that we look at because there are 60 slots available for kindergarten. Uh, to go to kindergarten, your child must be five years old by August 15th of 2021. It's so nice to get 2020 out of the behind me, 2021. And um, th they would be testing now for those uh, opportunities. Just because your child isn't in kindergarten, isn't going into kindergarten, doesn't mean that you can't go ahead and apply because there's always a couple of slots here and there as people move um, to apply and to uh, get a spot at Discovery School. So once again, that there is an application online. If you go to discoveryschoolexplorers.net, or if you can't remember that, go to cityschools.net and the website, and it'll direct you to Discovery. Uh, you fill out the application, you um, send it in to the, um, the school, and you either have to mail it, so it's important that you go ahead and do it now, or you can drop it off at a um, mailbox that's right outside their door. It's not the real mail, but a mailbox right outside their door for those applications because there are some materials that you have to include, so you cannot email it. So which school is the Discovery School? Because we have so many schools now in the city of Murfreesboro. What, which Discovery one is School is on Middle Tennessee Boulevard. Uh, used Discovery School at Bellwood. A lot of people still call it Bellwood. Um, and it is K kindergarten through sixth grade. And again, it's one of our, it is our academic magnet school. We also have three other choice schools in the system, which is Hobgood, Bradley, and Mitchell Nelson. Uh, they do not require the test and process in their application. Their openings uh, are usually in March is when we open up that process. But for Discovery School, because there is testing and everything, we open that up right now. So again, I think the deadline is January 8th, but you can second you go on parents need to go online and really look at that anyway and it the video is there for them to see what's going on at the school a little bit more explanation of what to expect if you have a child that is just constantly 
giving you questions and questions and questions and questions that maybe you go, where in the world is this coming from? Maybe they're a candidate for an academic magnet school. Uh, but if you know, it doesn't hurt to look, it doesn't hurt to find out more information about that. Now, a lot of people, when I'm talking about uh, discovery, ask about the gifted programs. I do want to emphasize that we have gifted across all of our schools. So just because your child doesn't get into discovery or you choose not to put them in discovery doesn't mean that if you have a gifted child, they won't receive those services because our gifted uh, instructors are amazing. We have over 200 of our teachers who've actually graduated from a gifted academy with that a credential. So not only um, do we have our gifted coaches, but we have those teachers in every school that have that certification to teach a gifted child. So we don't want to overlook anyone, and I don't want anyone to feel like they have to go to Discovery just to get that gifted education. <clears throat> or high achieving ed education that is at every school we have a text and by the way people can text us at 615-893-1450 and the question is about i i, I guess the uh the hiring of a new school's director where does that search stand today within the murfreesboro city schools interviews will take place uh monday the week of monday january the 11th through friday january the 15th we have five finalists and so each night uh, one of the finalists will be interviewed because of the COVID we have uh, changed how we're going to interview the interview will take place uh, be televised by, on uh, city TV channel 3 beginning at 630 each night so the interviews are more of a public forum type interview I guess uh, the board the Board of Education ask all the questions mm -hmm. they'll they'll ask all the questions but they the interview will take place uh, on TV that, that without would, anybody else in That'd be there. tough. It's can, very can difficult. I, no, I cannot <laughs> imagine it. It's just, I feel so bad for the candidates, but because it is a board meeting, we do have to offer that public access and we want to offer it. It's not just we have to, we want to offer it. And City TV has been so good to us uh, throughout this to be able to help us to air. So it will be on City TV. If you do not get City TV, maybe you're outside of the city that, and you want to still see it, they will upload it the that night or the following day to their YouTube channel. So two different ways to watch it. You don't have to be watching it live. You can watch it the next day as well. So all five candidates will be at City Hall. Um, unfortunately, we cannot have it open to the public, and therefore we're going to um, to show it so people can sit back and watch the interviews as they happen. So those on the school board will be asking interview questions to right. those candidates the five candidates who are right now named right. and and it's been narrowed down to five because before now i don't know how many actually applied how many actually applied for that position i've heard about 25 and a lot of those i'm sure were folks who are right here in rutherford county who know the school system uh there's uh, probably 20 percent from yes. from rutherford county five six yes yeah so, um, and a, a lot from afar as well. Uh, three of the five that we are interviewing are from, Ruth uh, four of the five are from Rutherford County of the fi finalists yes. are Rutherford Countyans. Uh, one's from, all, all are from Middle Tennessee this time. So um, they will be familiar with Murfreesboro City Schools. But again, I, you know, my apologies to them for making them do it on, li on live TV. I just, 
I, I would find it to be just so overly dreadful, in my opinion, and I feel pretty comfortable with radio and TV. But um, it will be done uh, so that everyone can be a part of it, and I know they'll do a great job. Don't get me wrong. I know they'll do a great job with the interviews, and it's done alphabetically. You know, I, <laughs> and I remember not too long ago, the county school system went through the whole interview process of those who are applying to be the school director there, and, uh, y- you know, it is a tough thing to apply for, but it's a tough thing to interview for because you're looking at being over all the schools. And, and for this case, the city of Murfreesboro, all the schools within the city, it's a position that, you know, you, you need to be familiar with our city, I think, in order to be the head of the schools, in my opinion. I, I, but I, I know you are there. At least one person is from outside our area. True, true. And. This is a huge responsibility. Murfreesboro C Schools, even though we're an elementary school district, we have 9,000 students and we're considered one of the top uh, 20% largest school districts in the state of Tennessee. What has it been like for you taking over this position? Because, you know, it's not an easy thing just to come in and take over. And, And people ask me that often, like, wow, you must be really stressed. It's a stressful situation. And I'm gonna veer off a little bit. I've coached for the last 30 years. I've coached basketball. And to me, coaching a sport really helps prepare you for a leadership role. I coach basketball in a situation, let's say four seconds left to go in the game. You're down one point. Your team has a ball. You call timeout. You've got 10 guys looking to you to draw the winning play. And you've got 45 seconds to make that decision. So you, you draw up a play. Now, you made that decision. You felt that it was best for the team to win that game. Times the shot didn't fall. Times the play didn't develop. But then you make that decision and you move on. You learn from it and help you make uh, another decision in the next day or two. So that's really helped me being able to make decisions because I've sought input from others. But at the end of the day, I have to take responsibility for the Murfreesboro City Schools. What what details of that position would you tell the public that, you know, you, you got to be ready for this, you got to be ready for that? What, what things do you have to be prepared for? One thing that's helped me is I don't have social media. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what, uh, what uh, people are saying about my decision, critiquing my decisions, and I'm sure they are. But... Uh, prepare for the unknown prepare you've got to prepare to make decisions for the best interest of the children of Murfreesboro and I learned that from Dr. Gilbert she she made decisions for what's in the best interest of the students of Murfreesboro and I, I still try to adhere to that but also for the safety of the children of Murfreesboro and also the safety of our staff do you have parents who come by the the main school office irate mad over situations i mean do you have those types of things happen we haven't yet but thank you for giving them that idea (laughs) you're welcome (laughs) it just seems it seems like today so many people are so hot-headed and just ready to to fight they get angry so quick we have phone calls from parents but most of the time they're just frustrated it's just a frustrating time and we try to talk through the processes and why the reasons and the whys and most of the time that helps 
and uh, we certainly want to hear from parents. Uh, we are always a phone call away. The doors are locked at central office just like they are everywhere because of COVID. So phone calls and emails work better for us. So now that you've put that out there. <laughs> um, but again, we it's very hard individually to look at things whenever we're trying to look at things as a broad. So for your child, it may need to be one way, whereas we're having to make decisions for 9,000. Um, I do think flexibility has been the key role, and I think that Mr. Ringstaff has done a great job with that. Um, he's had a lot of, of those, what is that song, put me in, coach, I'm ready to play. <laughs> I mean, you know, so I think that because of what happened with COVID and then the passing of Dr. Gilbert, um, so many people just stepped up, and um, it was it was quite impressive to see. And so. And when parents have concerns, we listen and that's and they want to be heard and they, they give us things to think about so. do you think this position of the city school director do you think it requires a phd does it require a master's degree what what is being said about the education itself i think the more educated an individual is probably has given them the qualifications that are needed in this position I, it, it seems to me that whoever would hold that position, it would speak volumes if they did have a master's, a Ph.D., because it is education. Yeah, I think all of them have a master's. In fact, I think all of the five candidates have their doctorate, except one who's getting, yeah. I think Mr. Duke probably will have his within yes. the next six months. Yeah. So I think that if you look at all the candidates, um, they do have their master's, EDS, uh, and doctorate kind of program. So you're looking at five very highly educated individuals. Um, in fact, it's it's really impressive to look at their resumes and see um, the potential leaders for Murfreesboro City Schools. Um, the Tennessee School Board Association did the search, and I think they did a good a good job and presented that to our school board. And that's the school board's responsibility from going forward is to select that individual to lead. Um, our city schools and how important is it for an individual to continue their education while being schools director because it seems like things change every single day and it is very important to keep up to date I, yeah I think that we get points uh, for everything that we attend for any conference that we attend we uh, workshop uh, superintendents get points for the number of hours that they attend each year so it's a continuous learning we have to stay up to date on the on the changing laws, the changing rules, the up to date technology, things like that. And I'm assuming that whoever is the next school director, there are annual meetings, events where they're interacting with other school directors all across the nation, and they're sharing knowledge. Yes, I've attended two virtual uh, conferences. One was three days; the other was a two days uh, workshop. So yes, we. Yeah. And we have, they have programs. The Tennessee School Board Association has programs. The Tennessee Organization of School Superintendents has programs. They, we have our state programs, then even down to the core region programs. So that is provided um, in the state does a really good job of trying to keep us moving forward, us being the school superintendent, not me. Um, they have the legal conferences, and I think, Mr. Ringstaff, you actually typically go in the past yes. with Dr. Gilbert to those legal conferences. So, yeah, that's there. And, uh, Scott, they will, I'm sure whoever gets it will just continue on. Um, 
We're talking about the Murfreesboro City Schools this morning, and Interim Director Ralph Ringstaff with us, along with Lisa Trell, the Communications Director. It, you know, we've said this a hundred times this morning, it's been a very odd year because of COVID-19, and it's going to be a very odd year in the upcoming year, maybe even years, we really don't know. Is the Health Department working closely with the schools and I guess kind of giving them ideas on how much longer to expect the way things are going to be going? We consult with the health department on a daily, if not hourly basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever we have a positive case, we contact the health department. Sometimes the health department contacts us because they sometimes know about a positive case before we do. So yes, they're in, uh, we're in cons- consultation with them on a daily basis. And even I got one phone call this morning while we were on the air from our nurse so I'm sure uh, when she calls it's hardly ever good news. (laughs) So even though schools are out right now you're still interacting with parents and and parents are still calling the schools saying you know little Johnny has COVID or or whatever the case may be. Correct and our principals are working this week and our teachers a lot of our teachers are working this week to uh, divide the classrooms up to be prepared for Uh, next Tuesday, Mm -hmm. January 5th. How many extra hours are teachers typically putting in since the start of COVID? There's no telling. Uh, 10, 12 hours a day, possibly six, seven days a week. Uh, It's very stressful for them right now uh, because everything's new and uh, in a classroom down down the hall just got quarantined. Are we next? Is any extra funding coming in from the state to pay teachers bonuses or, or overtime? I, I, because I, I don't I don't know how you go about keeping the teachers who you currently have working for you working for you because I'm sure you're going to have a big turnover at the end of this year. Well, I hope you're wrong there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think our reputation in Murfreesboro City Schools will help us retain good teachers, and that's always our goal. But we, we're trying to give them planning days every so often. As Lisa stated earlier, uh, our students are going to school preparing four days a week. That other day is a, called what we call a synchronous day. Our teachers will plan work for those students to do on those asynchronous days, but that also gives those teachers time to plan when the teachers aren't there in the school. And, it's, and I want to say that it is teachers, but it's also all the other staff members that are there as well. Um, so we can't say enough about our nurses and our dietary staff and our nutrition and maintenance and our EAs. My goodness, they have stepped up like you would not believe. So it takes everyone to keep a school district running, and I think uh, that they've all done that. Uh, the custodians, the um, again, the ones who are working the front desk, everyone has had a different kind of year this year, and uh, they are all to be applauded. I think our ESP staff has been probably our saving grace this year because our ESP, um, a lot of our students, a lot of our ESP staff members are actually MTSU students who are uh, most of them going into education. And because they've been learning virtually, they've had a little bit more flexibility in their time. So they've really stepped up and helped us when we needed help and served to fill some gaps for lunch duties and other types of things. So we look at our EAs and they've they've done 
I'm just amazed at all they've had to do and like adjusted throughout the day. Our principals are doing the same thing. So it's just one of those years where everyone pulls together and that's what you have to do because for the best interest of the children, you just have to pull together and sometimes that does mean a little extra work. Um, I'm certain that Mr. Ringstaff didn't wake up this time last year going, oh, okay, I'm gonna be the HR director in the interim superintendent of Murfreesboro City Schools. But you just kind of have to do what's given to you at the time. And ESP is the extended school program, which is that open right now? Or when does that come back into session? It is open, but we've uh, we've had to make a little change, open up the school year in January, open up school in January. We've had to make sure our two groups are separated as much as possible. So we're, we're not allowing Group A students to attend ESP on the days that they do not attend school. Only Group A students attend ESP the days that they attend school, and then Group B students attend uh, ESP on days that they attend school. That's got to be tough on parents, especially for the ones working. It, it is a hardship. Yeah. And, that, and we apologize. And our, our, our goal right now is to keep us, get as few students in the buildings as possible, see, see what it looks like, and in three weeks we hope to get everybody back in. There is nothing easy about the classroom today. I mean, everything has changed greatly since, well, since March. Who would have thought that bus drivers would be taking students' temperatures as they got on the bus? Yeah, <laughs> I, you know, it, it's, it's a very odd time for sure. Yes. And, and I don't think anybody ever envisioned anything like this ever really happening. You know, were the schools prepared for this whenever COVID-19 first hit in March? I don't, I don't think anybody nobody, was. <laughs> there wasn't anyone prepared for this. I don't think it's just schools. No one was ready for it. I think we're much more prepared to start January than we were to start August. And um, we've purchased a lot of computers uh, so that we have that available. Thank you to the Murfreesboro City Council for really helping us with that and to help fund that. We've had uh, generous donations from the City Schools Foundation from the LaRoche Foundation, and I'm gonna forget some. Um, <laughs> you started it. I did, I should never have started that. So we've had a lot of our uh, community members really step up, and even some of our community members that just created uh, committees that have actually purchased computers for our children that go directly to the uh, students, and they're not part of Murfreesboro City Schools, just putting a computer in that household. So I think now we do have more computers in hand than we've ever had. And I think going forward, it's only going to be a benefit to us whenever we go back to school in a traditional setting because we will be very close to that one-to-one uh, computer ratio for children. So, um, you know, out of every gray sky comes a silver lining or I, I may have just messed up that quote. <laughs> but um, when you look at that, I do think the fact that we have learned so much about teaching in a non-traditional setting that um, we will benefit from it in the future. I think <clears throat> instead of children who are homebound, and we still do have children who are homebound because of illness, instead of them getting you know three to four hours of uh, learning per week, I think we're gonna be able to do that virtually. So if a child is suffering from leukemia um, and can't be exposed, we're gonna, or any other childhood disease, we're gonna be able to do a lot more virtual learning and that child is not gonna be left behind like he has been in the past just because of just being contagious or us being contagious and bringing it to them. So I think there are some points when we look back, we're gonna go, 
aha, we learned how to do that. We were forced to learn how to do it very quickly. And um, again, once we get through this, we're going to see a lot of aha moments where we go, yes, we can do this better because of this. And our colleges are now offering classes to teachers and to people who want to become teachers on how to teach virtual learning. And that's a huge plus. Again, we've been talking about the city of Murfreesboro and the school system this morning. And uh, as we close out today, uh, the interviews are coming up again for the candidates who have applied for the school director position. And those interviews are taking place, what, starting January 11th? Is that yes. right? January okay. 11th through the 15th. And those will be all done live or I, I guess they'll be broadcast on, on city feed, tv mm -hmm. so folks can see them mm -hmm. and um, I, I don't know chime in by way of email i guess <laughs> yes but very different times for sure because of covid and changing everything and how students come back to school come january and they will come back to school 50 50 in other words last name of whatever it is will come the first day then a day uh, first Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Tuesday, Wednesday. Tuesday, Wednesday. Tuesday, Wednesday. Group A will come Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, that helps contact tracing as well. Okay, and then mm -hmm. Thursday and Friday, Group B. So Mondays for the first three weeks are, are what? Well, uh, Monday the 4th, we're out of school. Monday M the 18th, we're out of school because of MLK. MLK. So it's only one Monday where they're going to be June, doing a synchronous. January 11th. Okay. Yes. But that can all be found online if any parent has any yes. questions Absolutely. about it just look online or call the city school system i guess absolutely or email us that's the easiest way to do it right now uh, also the date of january 8th people need to keep in mind for discovery schools application deadline uh, i don't want to get that lost in the middle of all the other conversations going on so january 8th is their deadline so Sounds keep that in good. mind uh, thank you for joining us this morning again with us ralph ringstaff director interim director of the city schools and lisa trail with us this morning and we'll talk to you both, I guess, next month or so. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Thanks, Scott. Time right now, 8.59, a check on the weather and the traffic next. We'll see mostly cloudy skies here this afternoon with temperatures holding rather steady. North winds of 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly cloudy skies and a low near 28. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 49. The traffic's still not too bad right now on I-24 as you head towards Nashville up through the Hickory Hollow area. We have seen some radar out here up and down sections of I-24, 840 up by Sulphur Springs. Slow it down. Curious camp out. A family sleepover with the kids 2 to 6 at Ripley's Aquarium in the Smokies, January 2nd. All the details at Ripley's Aquarium Facebook page. I'm Commander Chuck. You're on time traffic. 